Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. Yes, and we both are that today. And today we're going to talk about um, buying land um, or, I don't know, what? <laughs> I don't have a second title. What the um, heck were you thinking? 40 acres and a mule. Get yeah, our, our freedom. Surrounded by reality. Uh, well, and, and this is part of the process we were talking about doing um, here at Blue Rock Station, which is a 40-acre sustainability center here in southeastern Ohio. Surrounded by reality. Surrounded by reality. <laughs> we have uh, quite a lot of visitors, and, and they often ask questions about our lifestyle, our process, what we did. And so we've tried to um, sort of package these things in into subjects and we're going to address them. It's just a way for us to kind of keep ourselves organized. But today, and this happens quite a lot, um, people are saying, you know what, I just want to, you know, tell the man to shove it. I want to quit my job. I want to buy some land. I want to go out into the country. This is my fantasy. So how do we make that happen? So we thought we'd talk a little bit about that, uh, our experience, what things to look for. So uh, Annie, why don't, you, why don't you just start out by talking a little bit about what we did, not that this is the only way of doing it, but you were sort of instrumental in, in pushing us off that cliff. And, uh, <laughs> no, I was, I was jumping and pulling <laughs> you. Well, let me just say that we do have, um, just for our own commercial and if people want to visually see what we're talking about that we do have a virtual tour at bluerockstation.com and um, and also an interview that uh, goes into more depth about the things uh, some of the things that we're talking about but so for me this has always been a plan in my life and I said it to you when we were dating I said it to you when you wanted to get married um, that when I got to be a certain age, and I'd know when that was, that I wanted to be a farmer uh, again in my life, a real farmer instead of being the wife of a farmer. And um, Well, no worries there. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> my drug, my city boy off the cliff with me. Uh -huh. But, but um, the, the, the thing that I didn't know, and I didn't really uh, formulate other than I was going to do it was how it was all going to transpire and is like everything else in my life anyway is that I didn't set out to find you know 40 acres of flat land that I was going to grow row crops on um, I was more interested in how to create economy out of a piece of land and I didn't think row cropping was going to do that so but I didn't know what that meant and as the story goes, um, we ended up raising our granddaughter from the time she was an infant and when she was about six months old. Um, I heard the architect for Earthships um, giving a talk on community radio in Tampa, Florida, WMNF radio. And um, I just really had this vision that this is where I wanted to go because it meant that whatever money we were investing, it wasn't going to be for, you know, some other big McMansion thing. It was going to be for something that had the potential to make a difference for the region. Okay, but as I recall it, we started looking for land before we even had the concept of an earthship. It was just kind of well, a absolutely. place to go. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have this where they say, I'd love to have some property out in the country somewhere. Maybe I want a homestead. Maybe I want a farm. Maybe I just want to go camping or, or whatever. I just want this place 
that becomes maybe my bunker, my refuge, right. you know, my, my little piece of paradise when the rest of the universe gets, gets whacked out, which seems to be on a daily basis. Right. But, uh, but we did, so we did set some criteria probably about two years prior to, um, in, in one of our annual goal setting plans, um, we set some criteria. We said it had to be within an hour and a half to two hours of a major airport because we were within 45 minutes of a major airport. Um, we wanted a pond, uh, which meant maybe there would be also a stream of some sort. We wanted some land that could be cultivated. We wanted forest. And uh, we wanted easy access to the land. Or relatively easy. Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. So that was the criteria. So then when our granddaughter was going to be born, I made appointments with realtors. And because I didn't really know what I was doing, I just wanted to kind of do my research and figure it out. And so the realtors, uh, so just to say that if you're going to rural America, especially in the Midwest um, and maybe rural south, uh, southern part of this um, country, you're a foreigner if you're coming from the city. And even though my people are from Appalachia and um, even I could take on the accent if I wanted to, uh, I was considered a foreigner and that was harsh for me to accept. But anyway, so they took me around, realtors, men, took me around and showed me different plots of land. And uh, it, was, it was an atrocious experience because it was all, reclaimed strip mine. Uh, some of it had coal laying on the ground. So, so did you get the impression they're like, oh, you're some rich out-of-stater. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to, uh, foster, foist off whatever piece of crap land that I've yeah. got because I can't sell it to anybody who knows better. Well, also you're from the city and in those days it, I think that people from the city wanted to go hunting as they say. And I kept saying, no, I'm not going to kill anything. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, this would be great investment or whatever. And so I gave up on that concept. And I started looking more judiciously on my own for pieces of land. And then I discovered something really great, and that was a land company. Okay, well, before we get into that, I think maybe the number one step, uh, I guess if I'm breaking down these things in steps, is identify the locality you know, the, the vast region, whatever that may be. It may be just as simple as being within an hour and a half of an airport. You don't really care where in the country. Or it might be, as in our case, we had our granddaughter about to be born in this region. So we said we want to be near near her. Um, right. So, so that, or it may be that you've always liked North Carolina or whatever, right. the mountains. And then the second step is, what are you going to be using this property for? Are you going to be growing you know marijuana uh, well well what okay. are the what are the zoning northern issues? california i know right but now. <laughs> but before you get there i want to say that it wasn't that easy even though i thought okay so there are pieces of land they're not expensive uh in those days we could have written a check for most any of the properties i was looking at um the one thing that i think the one biggest mistake that i made and and, and I don't think I could have done this any differently because we couldn't have seen where we were going to end up. We just thought we were going to build a house of some sort to hang out in when we wanted to escape the world. Yeah, I always like to say, sit on the front porch in our rocking chair, chewing our cud, telling 
you know, complaining about kids being no damn good, you know? Yeah, that's what we thought we were going to do because we were really busy in, in the the world of making money and so forth. So um, anyway, I would have really looked at the the people that surrounded us, the neighbors. And okay. the road was fine. So, All right. so you're jumping around a bit. No, so. I'm not because we wanted easy access to the property. And so I'm just saying the one mistake I made, we met a lot of the criteria, although we didn't have a pond, but we could make one. We could see that. We didn't have a live stream, but we had, I mean, a flowing stream, but we had it, the head of what they call Blue Rock Creek that flows when it rains. So, okay, whatever. We would settle for that. And, um, and so the other thing about land companies that was very convenient was that they would be willing to hold the financing with a small down payment. All right. So if we say, understand what you're going to do with the property. In our case, we knew we weren't going to be traditional farmers. So we didn't need flat tillable acreage. We wanted, we wanted a mix of woodlands and, right. and a bit of pasture land. So, so we're kind of looking at that. And so homesteading, if you're looking for that, is quite different than if you're looking to establish yourself as a corn and soybean farmer. Which, well, don't come to Southeast Ohio. There's yeah, not a lot of land. Don't listen to this program either. <laughs> you know, so. Well, maybe you're going to go to tier farming, but or terrace so farming. So then the next thing that you were sort of pointing out is look at a lot of properties because because they vary quite widely. Uh, you need to get a sense of the pricing. Uh, you need to get a sense of access. You need to get sort of, I know you kept coming back saying, gosh, you know, I'm so disappointed. They all just seem to be coal slags and, and um, you know, so you, you need to not, you know, buy the first one you look at, you know, just maybe you will eventually, but look at some other ones. Yeah, well, I think there's so much more to it, which we're going to talk about, than just, oh, isn't that a beautiful piece of property? Because we've had several visitors and intern uh, people who raced off and did not follow our advice about particularly assessing the neighbors and ended up with things like having their dog shot and living in fear, selling their property after they'd really developed everything because they couldn't live there because it didn't end up being the the luxurious nirvana place that they they thought it was going to be and i know i have always been grateful that we have a, a decent road and it's it's very close to a major highway and i would have said let's do that if i'd known we were going to make a business out and of where we live by being close we're basically talking 3 miles 3 or 4 miles yeah mm -hmm. but easy easy to go uh, it's up a hill, but it's 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 possible. Nobody comes in the winter anyway. So well, and another thing I would add is is once you get serious about this piece of property, be sure you understand exactly what you're buying. You know, because boundaries, especially when you're in a hilly terrain, are are suspect at best. You well, know, they can, you can be. There's can also states map. that have laws. You don't have to have a survey done. So you could be buying. But you're probably going to want to do a survey. Yeah, you should. You're the city person. You, you really should make sure you're doing what you want. But the other thing is that most banks are not going to land lend money on vacant land. So that's where like a, a land company is a good um, possibility to get you started. Or, or also, if you are wanting to buy land and you're going to build a house, you, you should talk to the local bank, not, 
you know, not the bank where you live currently, but make a relationship with that local bank. And I, I had investigated that as well. And we had a bank that was locally owned. It had two locations. And um, so I thought, well, you know, that works if we wanted to get a loan. And I actually did talk to a banker in Malta uh, who ended up going to prison for embezzlement, um, which was not too funny, but he was very supportive of what I was thinking about. <laughs> and, but I just, I just felt like the land company was a better deal. It was less hassle. There was no survey. We, the only stipulation was we couldn't build a building smaller than like a utility shed. Did this, did this banker want 20% down in a brown paper envelope? <laughs> no, so. we never got that far because okay, well, I good. never believed I never believed that they could understand what we were trying to do. So mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't pursue it. I just met the guy at a restaurant. Somebody introduced him to me <laughs> and he was very interested and said he thought they could make a bank loan. That's oh, all. Nothing shady about that. <laughs> well, that's the way business happens sometimes right. in rural America. Mm -hmm. So, well, and the other thing I know you're talking about financing and seller financing, whether it's a land company or the owner, that's always an option. But if you are looking for a loan on land, as you said, many banks will not loan uh, against vacant land for some reason. I don't know. Like you can't. Like they're not going to repossess yeah, it. <laughs> but but if, if you do buy it, it's probably going to have a pretty large down payment, you know, at least 20% in that neighborhood for your bank loan. So uh, that's just something to But if you're going to buy a home, mind. a private home, you're going to put down 20%. Well, but you can get like FH, FHA with 3% down, you know, with, with buildings. Well, I don't so, know what the loaning things are yeah, now. Now, there are some loans available if this is going to be your private residence through the USDA, the Department of Agriculture. If you're going to be a farm. Yeah, or if it's your primary resident in a rural environment. So that's something to look at, to explore. That's an option. But yeah, here, we're, low, we're, here we're interest. just discussing, we're assuming it's going to be just land, vacant land, because this is your dream. You're getting started. And you may inventory this land for 10 or 20 years before you're ready to... Um, What's you that know, mean, inventory? Though? Well, not, not live there. Maybe you're pursuing your corporate life. This is your zombie apocalypse bunker where you're Or gonna maybe you are a lowly waiter, waitress, and you're friends and you are going to buy the land together. Whatever it is, these are all things you really should do if you don't want to end up making a mistake. Okay, well, let me, let me interrupt ourselves here for just one moment and uh, let people know you're listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. Reminding you, it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. Thank God. Thank God. So you better go out and buy some land because the zombie apocalypse is upon us. Um, well, let me say there are a lot of other issues. Okay. Um, there so, sure are. Other than well, zombies? <laughs> other than zombies, I've never met one. I, <laughs> I, I, thought I have I had... <laughs> more issues than I can shake a stick at. Okay. Well, we'll keep that in mind. That'll be another program. But so, so one of the things we're doing right now is working with one of our former interns, a young couple, and they're wanting to buy some land and develop that into a farm, a real farm, uh, with row crops. And um, so we, we've given them some advice. And one thing is, besides assess your neighbors, um, what about what are the mineral rights on that land mm -hmm. and who owns them? And some of these companies have been buying the airspace because uh, they say you don't own it. And so you want to know, do you, are you going to control the airspace or not? Maybe nobody knows the answer to that in rural America. Yeah, but, and what about timber rights? Timber yeah, can be quite expensive. Yeah. And here you've got this beautiful area, 
and then somebody decides to come in and cut down all the trees because they have the right to do so. Yeah. Well, and what's the long-range plan for the community? Every community has uh, a region, has a like a 50-year view of what's going to happen with the community. And so if there's a highway planned, or a potential uh, oil line, yeah, gas, gas line. That's something that happened where we are. Yeah. Um, so to know what's the future, what does the future look like with the people that surround it? Well, and I wanted I wanted to bring up because you were talking about your neighbors, and we're talking about you know are there the neighbors from hell who are going to shoot your dog, that kind of thing. Not a lot you can anticipate about that, but we have some areas around here where somebody sets up a, an outdoor festival concert mud venue. running mud, mud running run. that's horrible you know, playing these, music these racers in the and, holler at top and these top things can just disrupt the neighborhood oh, it's for, terrible for you know miles around um we have some friends who who had a uh, a gun shooting range right at the end of their property so you get to hear guns going all the time so you want to explore throw your net a little bit wider and start to say what other things is there a speedway race track you know just down the way is there a high school stadium you know maybe these are things you can live with but maybe they're things that just absolutely are going to drive you bonkers you know you're going for peace and quiet and some you know, people with their mud runners are, are going out and playing, you know, proud to be an American every every Friday and Saturday. A top volume. But the other thing then, that comes back to zoning. So in a lot of areas, there is like a free zone. So you could have a strip joint next to a church or an elementary school. There's a distance requirement for elementary schools and strip joints, but it still could be there. So in our case, when the mud runner people came to the holler, uh we they didn't even notify us you know and it and it felt like that's something that should have um been a neighbor issue and so we would come and say do we we don't want that in our neighborhood you know yeah and you may not have any say in it and and i guess you know we're we're not necessarily saying these are next door because sometimes in our area the sound will travel you know up through the oh, hollows that's right. quite a quite a long way and and it's not, again, I mean, it's really first world problem where we're sitting here saying you want to be sitting out on a Saturday afternoon enjoying the tweeting of the birds and all you're hearing is engines revving and music playing and announcers over But if the you PA. have a business and we're going to do a tour, we would not even be able to hear ourselves. Sure. So it, these are things to look for, obviously. The other thing is, for another example, is there's a big farm at the corner of an interstate and major road. And they have these big festivals there. It's mm -hmm. horrible, the trash that's generated. And again, I would say even the little podunk thing that happens a mile from here that, dr that drowns us out, they are polluting streams with fuel, they're polluting with trash. Yeah. So it does impact us. But this big festival, uh, we have friends who have farm that is like, five miles away and they can't sit outside in the evening because when the wind is blowing that direction it's like that's all they're subjected to yeah so so i guess what we're kind of you know other than just griping about different things people do and the fact that people are annoying is that <laughs> you you have this fantasy of moving out to the country and you have this sense of isolation but the world will intrude upon you 
Yeah. And you want to limit that as much as possible. You know, limit your choices. Maybe, you know, pick some place that's so godforsaken that nobody wants to be, to be there. there. <laughs> you know? Well, but a lot of, especially young people, aren't that keen about that, which brings up another issue, and that is access to technology. Right. Because while you may want to escape most people and most of that kind of stimulation, you're probably going to want to have the ability to talk on the phone and perhaps access some kind of social media or videos or uh, Zoom or whatever that is. And for lots of rural America, that is still not very feasible. So you want to know, because I did look into that because that was the early days of, of um, mobile phones. There was no broadband, but mobile phones and um, and so AT&T sold me a booster thing and a mobile phone, and they showed me on their map that it would work, and it never even came close. That's amazing. AT&T actually misleading yes. their customers. So broadband wasn't even Shocking. alive. Nobody knew about broadband in those days. But when broadband came, they tried to do the same thing to us. And I remember... Uh, we had um, a, a satellite dish, which was horrendous uh, in terms of trying to, you know, we were less than dial up. And then the the Verizon guy said he would ride out here and he would see if if it worked. And he rode his little, I think it was electric motorcycle or scooter or something. And, um, and we were right on the edge. Mm -hmm which is the story of our life anyway. And so he walked around. We do have a picture somewhere of the first mobile phone that worked on this land. And it was uh, a guy named Donnie who was digging the pond and he had this huge piece of equipment and he stood it up on the hill and raised up the digger part of it and stood on top of that and raised the phone above his head and yelled into it. And we said, hey, we've got mobile service at Blue Rock right. Station. So broadband is increasingly, increasingly an issue, especially if you're thinking you're wanting to rem work remotely right. um, from your piece of property. Now, hopefully, we're going to see some technological fixes. I mean, we signed up for um, Starlink from uh, our buddy Elon Musk. Oh, a year ago now almost, Something um, they've like been that. promising. So they take your deposit, but then that's the last you ever well, hear Well, they did tell them. us the end of the year, and it's not uh, that middle yet. Middle of the year. Middle of the year. Oh, I thought it was said. December. So, so we're, we're about three, four, five months beyond what they um, indicated. But eventually, some technology like that, some, some quality satellite system. And maybe that's going to erase some of the broadband issue in rural America. Maybe it won't. Who knows? But definitely access to infrastructure, um, cellular telephone, that's a big deal um, for people. I mean, people freak out when they come out here. We only have system. one one company yeah, that works here. the only option. Mm -hmm. other, other infrastructure on the property, like is there a spring? Is there a well? Uh, you mentioned, is there a pond? Um, you know, access to roads, like you said. Um, is there a road through the property? I mean, we yeah. were lucky in that there was an old logging road, which I did work with uh, some loggers that accidentally logged some of our logs. And so in order not to get sued, they came and just took the logs I wanted them to take. And I, I made $6,000 from that, which I thought was great for us. But we also got the road back. And so we were able to do things like llama trekking and we can go to the back of the property and things well, like that. Well, you also have to think about the development of infrastructure on your property 
where we set our home about 400 feet back from the road. So we had to create driveways. We had to create yeah. uh, electrical all the way back to the property. And, you know, sometimes when people come on tour and they ask how much an earthship costs, and I like to joke and say about half as much as the driveway, because the driveway is is a constant giant sucking sound of cash that, well, that is, because you've got to dig down, you've got to build the base, you've got to do all of that. Well, you've got to understand how, how the gravel works with clay. Sure. So. And if you want electricity from the grid all the way back to your property, I mean, we're 400 feet. But you could be, you know, thousands of feet if you're really wanting this isolation and it's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars to set holes or bury the wire. So so these are all those hidden costs that when you're buying an existing structure, those things are already in place. Well, being practical, you know, in the beginning, I wanted us to be way down in the holler and away from everything. And we looked at some flat places where we could get plenty of sun so we could use, um, uh, you know, just the idea of the the passive solar. And um, I might not have even known what that meant, but I did know if you have the window shut and the sun's coming in, it gets hot. And, uh, and so, so then I decided, all right, well, I want to have this really long cottage garden kind of thing. Again, being very city-fied and not too educated about what all should take place. And so I wanted to have a looping lane. And originally, that's what I did was I brought in this guy that helped me and we made this lane that you could drive the circle, you know, and come back out. And um, actually, that would be ideal in some situations. But the clay just kept eating the gravel and Plus i mean it uses a lot of a lot of area well that's right and the other thing is it's a pain in the butt even still today because when we want to dig in those areas where the gravel is but we don't have a lane anymore you know so we are very frugal people and that's what it basically came down to is let's build the house as far away from the road as possible without a great cost to that and let's have a singular driveway. And we actually had to make a lane to the house because the architect made a mistake on the angle of the house. So sure. that added a, a lot of expense. Well, before we run out of time, I wanted to touch a little bit on real estate taxes because there are some options. Uh, and I know you've been exploring some of these for agricultural properties. So you well, might want to make sure you pull, senior, the tax, senior um, discount. pull the tax assessment so you know what you're getting into. But um, yeah, just mention a couple of those options with um, real estate um, for different different programs. Oh, you want me to? I yeah, thought you yeah, were yeah. going to talk about it. No, no. No, so there, is, uh, in, there are in some states uh, a uh, discounted uh, tax rate for people over a certain age, um, which you have to apply for. And, um, and if they don't give it to you, you can, you know, fight back against that. Um, there are definitely... Uh, d- discounted rates uh, called CAUV for um, farmland. And, um, and that has some very specific definitions of what that farmland would be. But there, there are things out there, you just need to check it out and see what applies to that piece of property. And if that already exists, how do you hang on to that exemption? Right, because it'll lower your costs dramatically. Well, you have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. 
We want to thank our Emmy award-winning and always rural producer, Adam Rich. And we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat your vegetables. On your little rural piece of paradise out in the country. Yep, down in the hollow. Okay, until next time. Bye-bye. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueroxstation.com. Yeah.